0: Now, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to continue in our series called Short Stories, a study of the the parables of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what's considered to be the crown or pearl of Jesus's parables. Some refer to it as the gospel within the gospel. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. Father, we pray that you just help us today. Help me to teach your word. Help those to hear your word. God, give us eyes that see, ears to hear. God, would you just open up our understanding? Lord, help us to see what you see. Help us to understand what you understand. God, remove the cloud of darkness off of our minds so we can have the light that we need to serve you and live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we look at the parable, I want to look at the context in which the parable was written. In Luke 15, in verse 1, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. Now, in Luke 15, Jesus don't doesn't only tell the one parable of the prodigal son. He actually tells three stories, or three parables. He, uh, he deals with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. All there in fi- chapter 15. And the purpose of all three of these stories, the reason he tells these stories is to address the attitude of the Pharisee and the religious teachers who was having a problem with him because he was eating and associating with notorious sinners. So he he understands the attitude he's dealing with. He's understanding what they're thinking. And he says, let me tell you some stories. So we need to keep that in mind whenever we, whenever we read the prodigal son story. Luke 15, 11, to illustrate the point further, this is the third parable. Jesus told them this story. Man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money In wild living. About that time his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pig. The young man became so hungry. And even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hard servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on on as a hard servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming to him and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead. Now returned to life. He was lost. Now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when his son, when, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. What a great story. It's the gospel within the gospel. And if you understand this story, you understand the gospel. There are three main characters in this story. There's the father. There's two sons. The younger son demands his inheritance, receives it, and he leaves home. He squanders it um, on on his wild living, and he realizes his error of his ways, and he returns home. And the father, in gratefulness, he has this banquet. Kills the fatted calf and he rejoices. His his son comes home. But then the elder brother is not very happy with what's happening. And and, uh, he voices his displeasure about his father just so welcoming this this wayward son. But his father responds, responds by reminding the elder brother. In verse 32, he said, hey, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead. And he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. There's reason to celebrate today, is what the father, I believe, was saying. Now, it's a remarkable story of the amazing love a father has for a son. But we also know that it's an amazing story to illustrate of a gospel. Amen? Now, there, I believe there's four truths that Jesus tries to relay here in this parable. Four truths that we constantly need to be reminded of. And the first truth is this. The bend of every human heart is towards evil. When, in, in verse 12, Jesus said, The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, you know, what son would say, Hey, I'm, I can't wait till you die. I want my stuff now. And so, you know, I believe the request of the son revealed the condition of the son. I believe that the request of the prodigal son revealed the condition of his heart. Right? He was more concerned about stuff than he was his father. Isn't that true? Rather than waiting until his father died to receive his father's inheritance, he demanded his inheritance right away. You ever had a demanding child? This was the demanding child. I think it's quite clear. His bold request revealed his impatient, selfish, and his evil heart. Wouldn't you all agree with that? We know his heart wasn't right spiritually because of what he did after he received his inheritance. The scripture tells us in verse 13, a few days later, this younger son, he packed up all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. He wasted his inheritance on wild living. The Amplified verse says it like this. He wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restraint living. The elder brother told us he wasted it on prostitutes. That's what he said to the father. Now the reason he demanded his inheritance, because of the problem that we all have. The problem is every human heart is really bent towards evil. Have y'all noticed that? you know, last night we were eating at Tanya's parents' house and her sister has a brand new baby. He's not even one year old and uh, he was wanting something and he didn't get it quick enough and he, man, he clenched and he was, got real red. And so we said, well, where where did he learn that from? And his mom said, nobody had to teach him that. What is that? That's what's in the heart of everybody. Come on, how many of you know you ain't got to be taught? To have a fit. You don't have to be taught to be evil. It's human nature because of the fall of Adam, right? The condition of every human heart is described in Romans 3. As it is written, verse 10, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of lips is on their... their, The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing, bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's pray. Oh my goodness, who is he talking about in that passage of scripture? Who's he talking about, y'all? Don't talk about me like that. Well, he did. And so what I'm trying to say is before we judge the prodigal son and his actions, too harshly we need to be reminded that there is prodigal characteristics in every one of us. Amen? Jesus didn't tell us this pretty little story to to make us emotionally, you know, feel good. He's trying to tell. He's trying to make a point, right? And remember, the main people he's trying to make a point to are religious folk, religious leaders. And then in verse 2, God looks down. uh, Psalm 53 and 2 says, God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks good. But no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Come on, because of our selfish and evil hearts, we all struggle with rebelling in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Is that true or is that true? You know, somebody said, you know, you're going to know the truth and the truth is going to make you free. But before the truth makes you free, it makes you miserable. It's got to first make you lost before you can be found. Amen? It's got to make you miserable before it can set you free. Amen? And so the second truth this parable teaches us is this. There are consequences for rebelling against God and God's laws. You know, I have not, I've learned a lot about God and I've studied the Scripture. I know a lot of Scripture. I can quote some Scripture. But you know, one thing I've not been able to do is defy gravity. Gravity still works. And you can't defy God's law. There are consequences for rebelling against God and God's laws. And all the church said, in Luke 15, 14, about that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pig. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Now, here's a picture of what happens when you rebel against God. There's at least four consequences to the prodigal's willful disobedience. The first one was sin causes you to waste your father's inheritance. And that's what verse 14 says about this time his money ran out. How many of you know you're going to run out? You're going to run out of pleasure. You're going to run out of good of good times if you run from God. You're going to end up in the belly of a fish is what's going to happen. And so listen, the money his father provided, it ran out. He ended up broke. And so the point is, rebelling against God will cause you to lose all the precious blessings and provisions. Your spiritual inheritance, you're going to lose it. Amen. You will lose the father's security and peace. You will lose his presence. You will lose his his uh, his his goodness in your life. You know I've learned this. Did you've learned this? That the the better I walk with God, the more I experience of God. And so you see, sin will cause you number one to waste your father's inheritance, but number two will cause you to become empty on the inside. And this is what happened in verse in in, in verse. Uh, 14, about that time his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now, you know, I man, I can relate to this. I can relate to this. Listen, how many of you have saved in here? You're Christians, let me see your hand. But isn't it true that even though we're Christians, whenever we're walking close with God, we experience more of God, we experience more blessing, but man, whenever we get an attitude... Oh man, whenever we get, when we get a little chip on our shoulder. Oh, when we get on our, on our high horse, there's a consequence. And you start feeling empty on the inside. Come on, y'all need to help me preach this morning. The fact is that he began to starve is clue into what happens when we willfully disobey God. Galatians 6 says, don't Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow to the sinful nature, you're going to reap from the sinful nature. Isn't that right? And listen, we can willfully turn from God, but listen, we're always going to pay a price for our disobedience. Are y'all got, do you get that? And listen, this motivates us to live true to God, knowing that, man, you know, listen, you know, I, I believe that You know, whenever you know that if you make those wrong decisions, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to think pig food is good. That'll motivate you to live right with God. Amen. Listen, sin will put you in circumstances and situations that you don't like. And that's what happened to this guy. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now, that was the worst job you could ever had, especially as a Jewish boy. Feeding the pig, those were unclean animals. And to be a son of a nobleman, that's the, that was like the, the lowest job you could ever have is to be hanging around with it. Unclean animals like pigs. And you're responsible to take care of them. How many of you know he was having a bad day? The rebellious, the, the prodigal's rebellious life landed him in the pig's pen. Now the pig's pen... You know, you have to think about it because it represents those little places in life. It represents the wilderness of life. It represents the the deserts of life. It represents the unpleasant and uncomfortable places in life. That's the pig's pen. So when he says, whenever he says the guy ended up in the pig's pen, what God is trying to tell us is if we willfully disobey God and don't follow His ways, we're going to end up in the pig's pen. Amen? You get that? If you get that, say, I got that. And then the last consequence is sin will cut you off from the help of others. You know, notice in this verse it says, in verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, couldn't they see the guy was in trouble? Couldn't he see that he was in a bad situation? It's as if God closed the eyes of those around the prodigal son and they couldn't see the need. They, that they, they, their eyes were closed. And, you know, sometimes we get, you know, we, we get, we make willful decisions that are against God. We end up in the pig's pen and then we get mad at everybody because they don't see that we in the pig's pen. And sometimes it might be God just hiding the eyes of everybody around us because he's waiting for us to get enough of that pig's food so we're ready to get out of that pig's pen and start living like the king and the son that we were created to live like. Come on, that is good preaching right there. Amen. That's good preaching, even though it came from my mouth. Because God is trying to help the body of Christ. Amen. Someone said, you know, this parable obviously teaches us the tremendous consequences of sin. But it reminds us what somebody said. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Right? The fourth truth Jesus teaches us in this parable is this. There is power in repentance. There's power. Man, I am so glad for repentance. I tell you, one of my favorite words in the Bible is repentance. Oh, I'm telling you, repentance is a wonderful word in the Bible. Sometimes we look at repentance as like it's a disdaining word. But no, my brothers and sisters, it's a wonderful word that is placed in the Bible. Amen? Regardless of how many mistakes I've made or how far away from the Father I've drifted, thank God there is forgiveness as we experience the, the repentance from God. Amen? Repentance. And that's what happened to the prodigal son. He came to the place where he repented. In verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at whom even the hired servants have enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, this is what the scripture calls repentance. It's repentance. In Acts 20, 21, Paul said, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know repentance is the doorway into the favor of God? Not just at salvation, but day in and day out. Amen. Repentance is a change of will repentance is after recognizing the error of your ways, you're willing to turn around and head the other way with your life. Amen? Listen, in verse 18, he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Notice he didn't go home and say, Father, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation, you and I. Now, I don't appreciate the fact that you were withholding your inheritance from me. That I was supposed to get when you died, and you didn't give me that stuff. I resented it, so that's why I demanded it. You notice he didn't go to the father and have this discussion about it. Or he didn't say, you know, man, I've been here, I, I, all I've ever known is just this blessing of this, living in this, in this rich man's house. I wanted to go see what the pig pen looked like. He didn't, he didn't talk about anything. All he said was, God, or in our vernacular, father, he said, In our vernacular, would be, God, I willfully disobeyed you. I willfully disobeyed. That is repentance. Repentance is not being sorry that you got caught. Repentance is being sorry that you offended God. See, there's godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, I can't believe I got caught. Godly sorrow says, Oh, my Lord, you did all this for me and I still rebelled against you. I am so sorry. I want to live for you, Lord. I want to, I want to be a good son. Come on. Doesn't that sound good to y'all? I want to be a good daughter. Amen. That's repentance. So listen, at first, the son said, give me my inheritance. But now he's saying, make me as one of your servants. Total change. He went from give me to, hey, make me, Father, one of your sons. There's power in repentance. Repentance helps you avoid the pig's pens of life. How many of you know that? Repentance keeps you out of the pig pen. It really does. Acts 3.19 says, repent. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever done something, even after being a Christian, you did something that you knew that God wasn't wasn't really happy with? Let me see your hands and then we'll see how many people are lying in church here today. Aren't you glad God is merciful? Aren't you glad God is forgiving? Amen. Amen. And see, aren't you glad there's repentance? That it's not like a one-time thing. As soon as you cross the line, bro, you're done. Oh, my Lord, I'd have been done a long time ago. I'd have had a short stint with God. What about you? Amen. I mean, it wouldn't have took me long at all to get in the woods with God. So that's why I say, man, repentance is a wonderful word in the Bible. Are y'all getting this? Are y'all understanding this? And so there's power in repentance because it helps you avoid the pig pens of life. You know, you know the Lord didn't take him and like put him in the pig's pen and like you know eat this. <laughs> that's that's pretty nasty, wasn't it? You know, you know God don't like just like I'm going to punish you and I'm going to put you in a pig's pen. No, we just end up there on our own. See what we don't recognize is this God that keeps us out of the pig's pen. As, as long as we follow him, he's going to get us around the pig pen. It's whenever we decide we want to do our own thing, we're going straight for the pig pen. Oh, it might not seem like the pig pen yet, but then the famine hits. Then the famine hits. How many of you know circumstances can make you feel like you're in the pig's pen? Amen? You see, you can be living your life and not caring about what God thinks about you and everything's going hunky-dory. And then Chevron says, we're closing the doors. You no longer have a job. What? And then all of a sudden, the famine hit the land. And you find yourself in the pig's pen. You see, repentance keeps us out of the pig's spin. But number two, repentance helps you avoid the judgment and the discipline of the Lord. Because, you see, those whom I love, Revelation 3.19 says, those whom I love, I rebuke. And discipline, so be earnest and repent. See, the Lord is the one that allows us to starve so that He can get us out of the pig's pen. You see, if the prodigal son would have never got hungry, He'd have stayed there. And now, now, picture this, saints. Picture this. Okay, He's got a, He's got a rich daddy, and He can eat, He can eat filet mignon anytime He wants. And in fact, He can eat ball crawfish. Some boodah, come on! Now y'all getting it right? And he gives that up. He gives that up the banquet table for the pig's pen. Now I was raised in in the country. What they feed them pigs? Eight filet mignon. So that's the that's the that's what he traded off. Amen. And so the Lord in His mercy says, "Goodness gracious, man! I don't like to see you eating pigs' food." Goodness, I mean, I died on the cross so you could have filet mignon. I got to get you out of there. Hey, get out of there. We say, no, I want to do my own thing. No, man, I'm telling you, they they got better food than that. Oh, no, I know what good food is. I'm staying right here. God said, no, come on, come on. Oh, I guess I'll have to make you hungry. So he makes him hungry. To finally, he says, Oh my Lord, this pig's food stinks, man. I don't want this anymore. And he says, Daddy, where are you? And he says, Now we're talking. Now we're talking. And he comes out of the pig's pen. You see, the fourth truth is this we serve a wonderful and loving father. That's the greatest truth of all. Amen. I mean, that's the good news of the gospel right there. Uh, We serve a wonderful and loving father. In verse 20, he says, So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, and sandals for his feet. And all three of those things represent something which we're not going to talk about today. But he killed the calf and and killed the calf. We've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and was now and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Isn't that a great story? Now, he said, my son was dead. Was he dead physically? No, but he was dead what? Yeah. And he said he was lost. Did he not know where he was? Yeah, he knew where he was. He knew exactly where he was. He was in the pig's bin. But he was lost spiritually. So he said he's no longer dead and he's no longer lost. His father saw him coming a long way off and he embraced him. And you see the heart of God there? And see that's what we need to understand. It's like sometimes we think, okay, whenever I willfully say, "God, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing." And we end up in the pigpen. Now we say, "I can't go back home. I know what my father's going to do. He's going to scold me. He's going to reprimand me. He's going to beat me I'm There's no telling what he's going to do." And we stay in the pigpen. But we need to know today that the father waiting and he's looking and he's saying, "Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Come on home so I can get you cleaned up." Amen. Put some new clothes on you. Amen. And so that's the heart of the father. We got to receive that and see that today. Amen. What a picture of a loving father. And you know, I heard, I heard uh, uh just recently, I heard somebody describe this story. And you know, w- when the father ran and embraced the son, I heard, uh, uh, um, somebody that studies the the Jewish history and stuff said you know in the in the biblical times whenever they had a rich farmer or a rich rancher or you know somebody wealthy they, they would have like 300 servants and they wouldn't they would end up building like a city and everything they needed was right there and every once in a while they had one of their servants that said you know I'm tired of living here I'm ready to go see what's out there and they would go out there and just like the prodigal son they would figure out man it's better if you go back to town where your father would take care of you. But there was a a tradition that whenever somebody decided to come home and they would see him come and they would take a, a pottery jar and they would go throw it down in the middle of the court. And if it broke, then that son was no longer able to come back. He was excommunicated permanently. But if it didn't break, then he could come back in. And so the story is the father knew that. And he didn't want to take a chance that his father could, his son could never come back in. So he kept an eye out. And as soon as he saw that guy cresting the hill and he saw his son wanting to come back, he didn't want to wait to see what was going to happen with that jar. He took off after him. He took off and he mediated. He stood in between. And he said, "This you're not kicking my son out permanently. He's going to be at my banquet table. And he ran out there and he threw his arms around him and he gave him a kiss right on the mouth. And he said, son, you come on home, buddy. You are welcome in my house. And he drug him home and said, come on, where's the calf? Kill that calf and let's eat some steak today. My son was dead, but he's come alive. Amen. You see the picture of the father there? You see the father heart of God? Amen. And so you just look at that and you're like, oh, my goodness. He ordered a banquet throne in celebration. Wow. The father said, God, get the finest robe. He put the finest robe. Listen, in other words, he forgave him. He didn't hold it against him. He didn't say, get the hand robe. He didn't say, yeah, you could come home, but you sit back there. You sit, you can't get at the table. You sit in a corner. No, he said, get the robe, put it on him. Get the ring. That's my authority. He can still, he can, just like he had before, he can go anywhere he wants. Put the sandals on. Hey, listen, that is powerful. And what that tells us is that even when we make mistakes, the Father loves us and He embraces us. And he says, come on home. Amen. Would you stand and let's close in prayer. Let's pray together. I don't know where you are today, but, you know, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe. Maybe you didn't know. or You didn't understand. See, the, the prodigal son was in the father's house. He was in the father's house, in the house. But there was something going on in the inside of him that didn't want him to follow the father. Could it be that there's somebody in here today that's in the father's house? But something's going on in the inside of you that causes you to not to want to submit it causes you not to want to surrender it causes you not to want to to just follow the father's rules there could be somebody in here today just like that and do you realize that God in his mercy he won't force you he won't force you to obey him he won't force you to follow the rules he won't keep you in the house he's going to let you go But don't you see the value of just surrendering and saying, you know what? I'm not going to live like the prodigal. I'm not going to live with one eye out there and one eye in here. I'm going to put both eyes in here. I'm going to give God my whole heart. I'm going to give him my whole life. And I'm going to follow his ways because I know the best place for me to live is in the father's house you just bow with me right now? And if you feel like maybe the Lord is trying to talk to you today, maybe today you feel like you're in the pig's spin. Maybe you feel like you've been living in the pig's spin and you're starving. You're empty on the inside. You're living in the wilderness. Maybe today you just need to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for doing my own thing, go my own way. I repent. I want to turn around. I want to change my desire, change my will today. And I want my will to be submitted to you. Just make a decision right there where you are in your heart and say, "God, I want to live for you today. I want to serve you today, God. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me today? Lord, I want to be 100% in. Come on, just right there in your heart, right there before God. Just do business with God and say, God, forgive me for that attitude. Lord, forgive me for holding on to that to that offense, to having that chip. Lord, forgive me God for, Lord, just the, the, the way that I've been doing. Lord God, I want to turn around today and I want to live for you. Come on, I believe the Lord is just receiving. He's receiving. His love is in this room today. His compassion is in this room today. And he's wooing people's hearts back over to him and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. i been I've been looking out for you I don't want you to ever be excommunicated from my house I want you to be right at the table where you belong eating with me in the banquet of my inheritance father God I pray the love of God fill this room right now I pray every person in this room Lord they feel the love of God today may the love of God fill hearts today Jesus manifest your love manifest yourself today in a mighty way oh God thank you Lord It's the the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Thank you, Father, that your love is filling and flooding our hearts, God. We love you today. We honor you today. We glorify you today, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. Is he worthy, saints? Is he worthy? Come on, just right where you are. Just begin to worship him and thank him for a spot at the banquet table. Thank him for just allowing you to be part of his family today. Lord, we love you today. We honor you today. We glorify you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let the love of God just fill your heart. Come on, just just receive the love of God. Come on, just just receive God's love. God wants to love on you. Come on, some of you, maybe in your mind, you've been living outside. You've been living uh, in the corner. But God's saying, come on at the table. Come on at the table. Come on, you're not a second-class citizen. Come on, you're not less than everybody else. You're as good or better than everybody. You're just there. You're all the same in mind. Come on, just receive the father's love father we love you we honor you we glorify you today thank you lord jesus thank you lord jesus now if you're here today you say todd would you pray for me i don't know for sure that i'm a christian i don't know for sure that i would get to spend eternal life with jesus if i died but i do want to know i do want to be a christian i do want to live my life for him I want to be saved. Would you pray for me? If that's you, raise your hand and raise it high. Right here, sir. I can see your hand. Anybody else? Raise it high so I can see. Anybody else? Sir, right here. I see your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Come on. This is the Father's call. This is the Father's call out to you. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, raise them both up now. And look up here at me. Raise them both up. And just say, that's me. That's me. Come on. Just raise them up. Those of you that are just right now, just making a decision, and say this with me: Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you, Father, for giving me a chance to turn my life around and to turn it over to you. Lord, thank you for washing my heart, cleansing my life. I need your love need your grace. I submit my heart to you. Help me to live the Christian life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, now you guys that raised your hands. If there's anybody else out here that raised your hand, as soon as we dismiss, I want you to come up here and if somebody's talking to me, you wait. I want you to shake my hand and say, I prayed that prayer with you. Amen. The Bible says that if you confess he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So come and confess Jesus as your Lord to me right here before you leave. Amen? Amen. Congratulations. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you are feeling good that you're a Christian today? Father, I pray the favor and blessing of God over the people of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And let the love of God shine through you as you go.